Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Lorray Rudd. Now, Lorray and I have got to know each other through the National Day of Prayer and Fasting, and uh, she's a passionate prayer warrior, and I've interviewed her brother, Kevin Rudd, former Prime Minister in Australia. And it's a blessing to have you uh, joining us on History Makers today, Lorraine. Tell us a little bit about uh, your family upbringing on the Sunshine Coast of Australia. My uh, two older brothers, well, one older, one younger, were born um, in Nambour, as was Kevin. Um, but we grew up in Yandina Creek. Uh, there was no electricity. It was quite primitive. Um, but when I was six, we moved to Yamundi. And after that place, Kevin was born. It's a little country town. It wasn't famous in those days. Um, we had the bullock drays going past our school. And um, the miracle for us was electricity. So we grew up on a farm. We were very fortunate uh, to have lots of land to play in. And um, Dad, of course, worked hard on the farm. And Mum worked hard trying to keep us in order. Okay. And uh, what was your spiritual life like? Uh, were you, you attended church as a, as a youngster. Did you have a... Uh a specific conversion experience at some stage? For me, it's very hard to find a particular moment because I remember my mother praying for me when we still lived at Yandina Creek without the electricity when I was about four. And for some reason, Jesus was very, very, very real to me, even as a four-year-old. When we moved to Yamundi, they had, um, my mother was a Catholic, so she took us to the Catholic Church. They had a service there every month. And sometimes we'd go to Nambour, um, which was about half an hour away by car. But um, through the Catholic Church, I got to hear the Bible stories of Jesus. I came to read um, a lot about uh, the stories of the Old and the New Testament. And my love of Jesus, as far as I know, just grew and grew and grew. So much so that when I was 17, there was nothing I wanted more than to give my whole life to the Lord. And because of my Catholic upbringing, um, that uh, involved, or I interpreted that as, becoming a nun. So I entered a convent. Okay, and then how long were you involved in the convent? I was there and uh, for 18 months. And uh, the thing that changed was not convent life so much, but my father was in a car accident and he died. And after he died... Um, for some reason, I didn't feel right being there. It was not something I could explain. Um, the nuns asked me to pray for six months. They prayed for six months. We re-met and they said to me, we think the Lord probably has things outside of the convent for you in life. And I said, well, that's good. What if it's a mistake? And they said, just come back. So they gave me complete freedom. And I never thought about going back once I'd left. And what kind of career path did you take after the convent? I had been planning to be a nurse when I was uh, younger because my mother was a nurse, I guess. Um, but when I was in the convent, we went to Nudgee Orphanage and I had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with the children there. There were hundreds of them and I loved it so much and the children seemed warm to me so that when I left, I decided to take up again a teacher's scholarship that had been offered me and my uncle helped me uh, find the courage um, 
to go back and ask for that. And I spent about eight to ten years teaching throughout Queensland. Okay. And, uh, you know, you've been in the media uh, a little bit recently. Um, you've been a, a member of the Labor Party uh, for a long time, but recently uh, gave up your membership. What was the reason? And uh, there was a lot of talk in the headlines, but you'd tell us what the reason was. I was quite horrified um, to have reported to me after a Labor conference in Queensland that um, the Labor Party in Queensland had endorsed homosexual marriage. There had been no discussion. Um, Delegates to that particular conference had been elected from our branch, but no one ever mentioned that this was an issue. And I was very comfortable with the stand of the Labor Party, which was that marriage would stay as it was under the Act between a man and a woman for life to the exclusion of all others. So this was a bolt out of the blue. Um, I aired my um, concerns to a few people and I was advised to wait till the national conference and and probably to, to say nothing much. But then many people tried to convince me to just accept it because it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. And at that, I couldn't stay quiet. I thought, no, this is wrong. I could sense the intimidation that people who love the Lord were um, being exposed to. And I decided to write letters, um, fairly loving letters, actually, that were never printed, (laughs) uh, to um, several media outlets and My friend and I prayed and we thought, Lord, they're yours, use them if you want. A man from the Australian, the journalist, rang and spoke to me and so he printed the story first and that's how it all took off. Well, there was a lot of talk about it, and I remember in uh, you know the prayer circles in Australia, people saying, "Pray for Lorraine Rudd." <laughs> um, she, you know, she's been you, you were attacked, uh, you know, in the media for uh, you know for leaving the Labor Party. But you know, I, I just want to encourage you. You know, good on you for standing by the courage of your convictions and standing up for what you believe. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of uh, discussion about homosexual marriage in Australia. Uh, tell me, uh, from a biblical point of view, why does the Bible become a, a foundation for you when you're in, informing your decisions about homosexual marriage? Uh, the Bible's foundation for me informing all decisions. I have been told that I impose my character on the character of Jesus. I would like to state very clearly, it's quite the other way. Um, the Bible and the character of Jesus has changed the way I think and I feel about everything. And Jesus was quite... Um, firm in um, stating that he didn't come to change anything from the law or the writing of the prophets. He came to fulfill their purpose. So when people were beginning to change the Mosaic law, which is really the culture of the kingdom of heaven, um, I thought, I knew it's a it's a wrong step to take. It's it's not something that will bless this nation, and it's not something that will bless the people involved in the campaign. And so, therefore, there was no choice but to speak out. Now, one of the other hot topics that's often discussed in uh, you know Christian circles in politics is about abortion, and uh, you know the whole issue of you know when does a human life begin? Uh, what's your stance on that topic? That's a very clear one. I haven't spoken publicly about it, um, probably because I, I feel so strongly about it that it's almost painful. I don't have children of my own, and how anyone conceiving a child could decide to just terminate its existence before it's born is just beyond me, and I probably become a bit tearful at the thought of it. 
Um, for me, uh, life um, and all that is natural in life that is God has given to us should be honoured. Um, therefore, when a male and female um, have a sexual relationship and a child is conceived, that child is valuable to God and to humanity. And there is nothing in this world that should cause um, a human being to intervene and terminate that child's life. I do make exceptions, um, being a nurse now. I didn't finish that bit. I've been nursing for many years. Um, ectopic pregnancies, um, where the child cannot possibly live and the mother would only die if that, there was no surgical intervention, of course common sense prevails. But um, unfortunately in the modern era, abortion has become part of the sexual sin syndrome so that people use it really as a birth control and um, that is quite repulsive to me and um, as I said I don't talk about it because it, I, I just can't imagine how any, anyone would do it. And tell me um, you know there are a lot of people uh, in Australia who uh, you know as Christians lean to the right in politics a lot of Christians you know would would uh, support the conservative parties uh, being uh, but once again there are a lot of Christians who are very strong on social justice and lean towards the the left of politics uh, tell me uh, have you uh, swayed in your life or have you always been been uh, strong on the, on the left of politics I am a swing voter and I always was and I probably always will be. I do, I shouldn't admit this, but I do know members of the Labor Party who don't always vote for the Labor candidate. Um, like me, they assess the candidate and they assess the situation in the nation and what the country most needs and they vote accordingly. But they may still continue a membership of any political party. Um, I have to admit, while I was a member of the Labor Party for 10 years, I did not vote anyone but Labor. I liked our candidates and supported them. However, um, no, I'm very much um, an issues and integrity and honour person and I will always vote like that. I love, uh, there's an American preacher who was asked a similar question and he said, uh, don't uh, ask me who I vote for, ask me what the issue is and I'll tell you what I believe in regarding to the issue. And of course the local candidates is very important uh, in forming your decisions as well. And it's interesting uh, to see, uh, you know, the, the shifting in politics to and from, but it is great to see Christians represented on both sides of the, the parties, of course. Uh, now, uh, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, being the sister of Kevin Rudd, the former Prime Minister, you would see a lot of things in the background in politics that others don't. Uh, for example, when uh, Kevin was deposed by Julie Gillard, how did you feel as the sister when that was going on? You, I mean, you'd obviously love your brother, you'd want to care for him. What, what were you going through when, when that massive upheaval in Australian politics took place? Like most people, I couldn't believe it was happening. I had heard reports um, in the evening and John Faulkner um, being interviewed on ABC TV saying he didn't know about it. My reaction the next morning when I found out that it was a reality was, Kevin, just just go overseas, go to your meeting. I mean, why bother with, with this? I mean, you don't have to, surely. That it can wait. They can have their little... Um, you know, hate against you if that's what it is uh, when you get back. But of course, I um, can only ever text Kevin. It's no, there's no direct line to a prime minister for a sister, so um, I'm not sure he got my text. In fact, he probably didn't because I'm sure other people were minding his phone while he was going through that. So it was really um, one of sense of um, 
not just what is good for Kevin, but the sense of betrayal of someone whose primary role was to be supportive to the Prime Minister as his deputy. Um, and I didn't think it was wise or good for anybody in the Labor Party and certainly not good for the nation. It was the end of democracy because people were coming to an election. They could have decided they didn't like Kevin Rudd and the Labor Party or they could have decided to give them a second term. That was for the people to choose, not a bunch of people uh, with great career ambitions. Well, I just think, um, you know, that's an incredible insight from a family member of uh, of the former Prime Minister. Um, now, I, I was just chatting to you briefly before about uh, Kevin's faith. He uh, came to Christ uh, at university, I think. Tell us a bit of the story. It was actually in the gap year before university. Um, in high school, I do remember him debating Christians um, and, you know, kind of Christians coming off second best because he does have a certain way with words, everybody would agree. Um, but in his gap year, he met up with some Christians in Sydney and I visited him actually in um, a house where he was living at that time on my way overseas and the change in him was profound. He had gone from someone who had a very clear career path, he was going to study law, to someone who was actually contemplating because he understood it was what God was asking of him to study Chinese and there was no special interest in China at that time. It was the 19... 70s, early 80s, I can't remember, but um, it was kind of off the radar and people said, well, that's a waste. Why would, why would he study Chinese? Um, but he chose with difficulty, I know, um, obedience to what he asked, what the Lord was asking of him. And of course, um, in time that became uh, understandable what the wisdom of the Lord is. And then uh, he, he was uh, raised a Catholic, but then I think when he married Therese, she was an Anglican. So was that a big thing, changing from the Catholics to the Anglicans? I don't think so. Um, for us, remember, we were raised as Bush Catholics. There's there's quite a difference. Um, essentially, the centre of our faith was the Lord Jesus, um, the Father, the knowledge of the love of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Mum did... And get us to kneel down round the bed and say the rosary. Um, most of us um, weren't too keen on that, but um, but no, it was a faith in the Lord Jesus and it was a faith in Christ. So the branding, um, even though I'm still in the Catholic Church in Nambour, um, though my heart is with the Lord, not with any particular branding, but the branding in our family has never been important. And I've got two brothers who are agnostic, though one of them says now he's less so. Well, I know you haven't had a chance to listen to the uh, History Makers interview I did with Kevin uh, when he was the Shadow Foreign Affairs Minister, but uh, I asked him, uh, did he have a favourite Bible verse? And I remember him saying, that your mum's favourite verse was, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches, he that abideth in me will bear much fruit. And So, you know, he obviously knows the word of God well. He he shared that he does the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, by Oswald Chambers with Therese every day. This was a few years ago, of course. And uh, yeah, he just shared about how uh, William Wilberforce is one of his heroes of the faith. Uh, so, you know, I found that quite uh, interesting. And I remember... Um, there was one time he was, I think he was asked in the media, does he believe Jesus is the son of God? 
and the only way to heaven. Do you, do you remember that discussion? Yeah. No, I don't remember that. What did he say? Well, I think he said, I go to church. <laughs> was his answer. I don't know. I'll have to look that up myself. But uh, I just remember thinking um, it must be an incredible pressure being in the public limelight, constantly having the media asking you these tough questions about what your beliefs are. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I just think, um, you know, uh, good on him for standing up for what he believes. And um, let's uh, hope and pray he continues to uh, have success in uh, in his area of, of politics where he's working right now. Uh, and, and tell me, have you ever had any, any um, political aspirations yourself? No, I haven't. Uh, I'm not a political being, I must admit. I did run for the council elections locally um, one year when my mother was still alive. Um, she knows just about everybody in Nambour or did at that time. Um, and I thought it would be something we might be able to enjoy together because uh, I was uh, living with her essentially um, not caring for her, she was a feisty, independent woman. But, um, but yeah, I was there as her companion, I guess, in old age. Um, however, my mother got sick soon after that, and um, she went to heaven. And uh, I've really had no desire, whatever, to re-enter politics. Okay, Lorraine. Now, one thing I always like to ask before we wrap up is, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how do people respond to it? Would you be able to share that with our listeners? My understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's dream in creation. He made the world, was very pleased with it, and he made man and he made woman. And in God's um, heart and mind, my understanding is that he wanted this eternal relationship. He wanted people to populate the earth and to enjoy a relationship with him. But... The woman was deceived and somehow thought that she could be equal to God, so it was a bit of a power trip. Um, and I think um, the man wanted to please her, so he went along with her. But that led to a whole situation in the world where people became accustomed to live apart from the God um, whose image they were made in. And you see that beautiful thread through history um, Noah and then Noah's descendant Abram and then um, right through to King David and then Jesus born of that Davidic line um, even though Joseph wasn't his father but um, it is the restoration of the dream that God never let go of that mankind would live in communion with him and that this kingdom of heaven which is a spiritual kingdom um, would always be uh, the fulfillment of the dream and we live in that time we live in that fulfillment so um, to actually sit down quietly and say Jesus David and then Jesus born of that Davidic line um, even though Joseph wasn't his father but um, it is the restoration of the dream that God never let go of that mankind would live in communion with him and that this kingdom of heaven, which is a spiritual kingdom, um, would always be uh, the fulfillment of the dream. And we live in that time. We live in that fulfillment. So um, to actually sit down quietly and say, Jesus, I don't know you, but I'd like to get to know you. Um, please come into my life and give me wisdom. I understand I'm not perfect. None of us are because of all that happened in our human history. But I'm willing 
to open my heart to you and to receive all the wisdom and the goodness of God that he intended for humanity. Your life will never be the same again. Um, You will begin to know joy and peace and love of a different kind that will always um, give you um, a sense of hope and um, you won't be frightened of things. You won't worry about things. All the things that Jesus taught us was about life in the kingdom and how wonderful that was that a man would sell everything he had to receive that. That's how precious relationship with Jesus is. And um, it's there. It's there for the taking. I don't know why anyone would um, wait myself. (laughs) Well, Lorraine, thank you so much for sharing that. And is there a favorite Bible verse uh, that you'd like to, uh, to finish off the show with? Anything that springs to mind that you want to share right now? I love the first words of John's gospel. Um, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Um, It's a difficult concept for people who don't know the Lord, but to understand that God our Father, uh, worshipped by many different faiths, uh, God the Father of Abraham, um, but that his word, his word that was sent out to create, the creative word, is actually embodied in Jesus. And I just love that beginning of John because it is when you know the Lord, and I encourage everyone to know the Lord uh, Jesus, he is the word of God. He is the way to the Father. Um, he is the fulfillment of the Father's love and that coming of the kingdom of heaven. Well, Lorraine Rudd, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us on History Makers today. You know, the vision of History Makers is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. We're now on over 58 radio stations around Australia and Pacific nations, and we're so excited about the opportunity we have to broadcast the good news on the airwaves. If you would like to make a donation, please go to our website, historymakersradio.com. There you can also download interviews. We've got some great web links and some great information for you about following Jesus. So please go to historymakersradio.com. I'm Matt Prater. God bless. Go and make history.